In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Engelstad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here, as always, with my co-host, executive producer, and squirrel, Mike Graham. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm currently planning uh, how to teach a whole bunch of other squirrels how to get out of the way of a car at the last second. How's that working for you? That's what squirrels do. I mean, that's about that's my extent of squirrel knowledge. So. Yeah, well, you just have to trust them that they that they know <laughs> that they don't want to be hit by the car. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about birds and cars the other day, and I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go into it. Okay, what's good. going on? Well, good because that that's gonna touch on the theme of today's episode, which we're trying to stay on topic. We're trying to f- stay focused, Mike. Yeah, we are. We're trying to just like z- laser beam in. Yes, that's right. So, um, but before we do, we uh, want to announce and, and acknowledge that it is Mental Health Awareness Month, May. Um, happy May 1st, May Day to you, sir. Yeah, Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. Best month of the year. Especially for our podcast. This is the first time <laughs> right. that we're, we're recording during this uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're hoping to do some extra special stuff, I think. Yeah, there's excellent hashtags to use this month. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also in, in a personal news, something that you and I learned about each other this week was that we apparently got married within a couple of days of each other on the calendar. I've been married for several more years than you have. But is that a brag? Yeah, I'm obviously way more experienced <laughs> when it comes to marriage. Being married, you're, you're a more experienced married guy. Yeah. OK. Yeah. All right. All right. I can. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing, too. Like Ryan and I are always noticing weird uh, synchronicities between us, even though like um, we're quite opposite, like in the personality area. But there's like a lot of our our things that go right in line. So we're like two. What is it? Two days. Yeah. Apart. Yeah. Four twenty nine eleven. Happy wedding anniversary to my wife, Jen, uh, two days ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then and Brie uh, is uh, May 2nd and happy anniversary, Brie. Yeah, so you guys are going to see Endgame, you said, which I'm very jealous yeah, of. Yeah. I'm hoping to see that at some point, avoiding spoilers very carefully. And um, my wife and I went to Ithaca, New York to do some hiking and wine tasting and college campus exploring, I guess. Yeah, it was very anniversary of you. Yeah, and Ithaca is like one of those. Ithaca is one of those places that you you hear about and you don't know what it actually is. Well, it's some of the, it's, it's the best hiking in New York state. If people are not familiar, it's, it's, we, we took some, some awesome pictures. We went gorge exploring. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So if if people want to know more, join our Facebook group where I will share pictures (laughs) and stories from. Yeah. Because we had a great time. Yeah. And speaking of the Facebook group, so we, Brie and I exchanged gifts today, which even though our anniversary is tomorrow, today is May 1st. Um, and we exchanged gifts tonight, and she opened her gift, which pulled it out, and it's like a, a big knitted blanket. And she said, oh, wow. And before she like totally pulled it out, she said, where's this from? 
And I said, it's from Ireland. Oh. And then she knew right, yeah, yeah. She knew right what it was right away. Um, Sarah from our Facebook group, which we've mentioned before on the show, actually knitted this uh, awesome blanket and I had to get it for my wife for our anniversary. So uh, thank you, Sarah. And um, if you do want to join our group and, and talk about mental health and have fun with everyone in there, it's an incredibly awesome and supportive group for everybody. And you just go to Facebook and search Pop Psych 101, Mental Health Chat, and at that, uh, let's get into it. Let's do it. Everyone says this. For some reason, everyone's like, oh, everyone has a little ADD. No, that's not true. We have distractions in our life, but not everyone has a brain that functions like somebody's with ADHD. One of my earliest memories is being diagnosed. I think it's pretty detrimental for people to constantly be saying things like that because it kind of illegitimizes, is that a word? Delegitimizes the, uh, the um, struggle and the actual power that ADHD might have over somebody's life. And it is a disorder. It causes a lot of issues and there's a stigma around it. And I think that people throw it off like it's nothing. And like everyone has a little bit of it, but it's not true. Today we are talking about Take Your Pills, the 2018 Netflix documentary. In America today, competition is ceaseless from school to the workforce and everyone wants a performance edge. Students, professionals, parents, athletes, all are taking stimulants prescribed for those who live with ADHD, though all are not affected by the disorder. Adderall and other prescription stimulants are finding their way into homes all across the world and have become the defining drugs of this generation. Yeah, Mike, so I, this this is a really interesting uh, documentary, and we picked it in part because we have not talked about ADHD or ADD yet. No, we haven't. And also, this is super interesting documentary, like immediately just recommending to watch. It's just uh, generally a good documentary. Yeah, and it's not specifically about ADD or ADHD. It's it more focuses on the medications used to treat ADD, ADHD, and how those medications are uh, abused or overprescribed. Yeah. And we're going to get into all this, but but it's interesting because if you read some of the reviews for this documentary, you know my some of the, my favorite words that I read about uh, the documentary are, are words like fear mongering and heavy handed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And actually, there's a, a, a prominent ADD or ADHD YouTuber who took issue with a lot of the way things were portrayed and even the the types of experts that were basically providing testimony about some of these issues. So there's a lot of stuff to dig into, and I'm sure we're going to do that. But but it's just interesting. Absolutely. And even and even so with it not really diving super hard into ADHD, for me, what that did was bring up a ton of questions about ADD and ADHD. Yeah, even every uh, testimonial like um, person that they interviewed or, or portrayed who takes medication, almost all of them, I would say by the end of the documentary, were expressing this sort of either frustration or guilt or even shame in some cases about the fact that they either had taken it or needed it in general. So there was like there was just little to no, I would say, positive portrayal of the benefits that these medications provide to people or the, you know, 
I guess the the opportunity for improvement that people with ADD and ADHD can achieve, whether that be with or without medication. Like that stuff just really got left out. Yeah, it did. And uh, the other thing that I noticed too was that most of the people that were that were portrayed uh, not only like ended with this kind of negative outlook, but most of them, I think minus two, talked about the way they took their prescription was either them lying about having ADHD, didn't know they had ADHD until after they took this medicine. Yeah, it did, it just didn't really portray, they only had like one or two people that actually needed to take the medication taking it. So it was just kind of a strange thing. And those people, they, I think, also acknowledged that they did benefit from it. Yes. You know, there was this theme of, you know, I don't want to have to take it. I don't like how I feel when I take it. And frankly, those are, I would say, common complaints that you will hear from people who take antidepressants, who take yeah. anti-anxiety medications. So, so some of these concerns were presented as like, these are only problems that that people that are prescribed a low dose of meth, like is this just the, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. experience. And it's just not true. And I can say that, you know, I, I have experience with this medication, personal experience. Um, I've said it on the show before, I take Vyvanse, uh, treated for binge eating disorder, which is an amphetamine. It's it's basically Adderall. I have taken Adderall in the past. I've taken Riddle in the past, all kind of aligned for this same treating the binge eating thing. I did have a doctor one time talk about ADHD, but it's never that's never been like a big issue. But I do. So from that perspective, I do get a lot of what they're saying about this drug or medicine. And that's because I don't think I necessarily need it for attention deficit. Sure. So some of so a, a dose that may be a little too high for me uh, makes things not good. Yeah. Uh, very uh, too, too intense. You know, I'm a bipolar person, so this can also trigger that like mania stuff. And. There is an evil side to it, for sure. Oh, yeah. And when they go into the history of some of these medications, you know, Adderall, Vyvanse, you know, being amphetamine, which, yes, is in the same class of drugs as meth, as crystal meth. Yeah. They do a really good job scaring people on like, oh, if you're on Adderall, you're basically taking a low dose of meth. And they yeah. show all the people with, you know, meth mouth and and the the really intense basically addiction that people can yeah. experience that i was offended there because they said the midwest like they called they called they did, it but the they specifically called it out <laughs> and that's where i live i was like thanks documentary <laughs> but but i think one of the the things we really need to talk about and there's several people they interview throughout this uh they have like a group of college students they have a couple of professionals they have an athlete that they interview throughout this whole process but being the medication that they're on, one of the things that really like just struck me right away when I was watching this and I just started having big questions was like, what is ADHD? You know, like I said, I had a doctor say that I might have ADHD once and I have no clue what it is. Like on general terms, we all understand the words that are in that, right? Attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Yep. But seemingly a lot of people, uh, think they have ADHD. Um, it's kind of like that, you know, oh, I have OCD sort of thing, you know? Oh, I'm so ADHD. And they say that in the documentary, this sort of feeling that like everybody is a little bit ADD or a little bit ADHD. Right. So I think it's really misunderstood. That's the, like, what I got out of it at the end. I was like, I really think ADHD is probably misunderstood. 
And so I was going to ask you, like, what does a person with real like uh, ADD or ADHD, like, what does it actually look like with someone who's really dealing with that? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and obviously, there are a lot of distinctions that we're going to make here, both between some of these specific diagnoses and how it portrays or appears different in children versus adolescents versus adults. Right, right. Because for children, especially, you know, the sort of, and I should say the, the, the DSM diagnosis, what you see actually now is everything is ADHD. It's just sort of um, what type it is. So ADHD inattentive type or ADHD, um, you know, hyperactive type, basically. And that's the distinction that we make now between ADHD, the hyperactive part, and ADHD inattentive type, which is the part that doesn't have these sort of hyperactive behaviors, the fidgeting, things like that, but does have a real difficult problem with things like um, organizing, you know, so it's both a cognitive and a behavioral uh, challenge, I should say. So you're talking about difficulty focusing, obviously, things like forgetfulness, problems paying attention, short attention span. Um, So that's the sort of cognitive aspect of this. And then you have the the behavioral, which is, again, that can differ based on ADHD or the sort of inattentive type. So that's things like people can be irritable, people can be impulsive, people can be that sort of fidgeting thing that is sort of classically associated with ADHD. It's like, oh, you know, those kids in their fidget spinners and those kids in their rubber rubber bands and things like that that often get associated with ADHD. And it's true, you know, sometimes people with that sort of distractibility do benefit from having sort of secondary uh, physical processes going on. So things like a little um, fidget cube, which is something I have in my office, um, can actually be beneficial. Now, before you go on here, one of the things I think uh, people want to jump out and say when you're explaining symptoms like that for like a disorder would be like, that sounds like everybody. Mm -hmm. So what... You know, I th- everyone has a little bit, you know, attention, you know, maybe they stare off in the space, maybe they bounce their leg when they're sitting down or those kind of things. I don't know. Is it just so, so much more extreme, I guess? Yeah, it's it's a level of extremity. And one of the um, the patients in the documentary sort of talks about this. There's the, the sort of the distractibility of like, oh, when I'm doing my homework, I get distracted by my cell phone. Like, that's not ADHD. Right. You know, yes, a lot of times people both that are diagnosed and not diagnosed ADHD are distractible, have a hard time doing tasks that they are not engaged in or excited by. Right. But that doesn't mean you're ADHD. That doesn't mean you're ADD. I would say it's 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 an intensity issue, and it's also a variety of focusing challenges. So you might see things like constantly interrupting others or monopolizing conversation. So this is like a social presentation. Oh, wow. Someone with ADHD um, might not be able to literally like be patient to engage in a conversation in a casual way. Hmm. That's one I haven't heard. Yeah. And this and this is probably true a little bit more for like teenagers into adulthood. Um, And we're going to go into that distinction as well. But I mentioned impulsivity. So in adulthood, things like people with ADHD are more likely to, to, to drive too fast or to drive recklessly to get into accidents. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's all these same things. It's that, you know, if you don't have ADHD, you're able to be patient and let's say sit in traffic or follow traffic signals. 
you know, pay attention to cues that are happening around you in a driving environment. Someone with ADHD is going to have a really hard time with that. And then as a result, are, are prone to making mistakes, are prone to, you know, making impulsive driving decisions, which can really have really negative consequences, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like lane switching, last second, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And so just to, to finish the sort of adult presentation, because I think this is something, and I can even relate to this on a certain level, that that sort of like joking, like, oh, everyone's a little bit ADD. Everyone, I, I, everyone's had a hard time focusing sometimes. You know, when I've been in therapy um, for myself, that has been a question I've asked therapists that I've worked with. It's like, I don't know if I'm ADD. I don't know if I'm ADHD, but I do have these problems. Sure. And they'll, yeah. and they'll run through, you know, the the sort of uh, diagnostic criteria. They'll even, I've even been given the evaluation and this in the sense that it, that a lot of people could fall on this scale. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe you're borderline in the sense that you don't like doing paperwork. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're ADD. It doesn't mean you're I, ADHD. Brian, I love paperwork. That's the one thing you didn't know about me is how much I love paperwork. Well, well, you, you'd be a very good therapist then. Um, <laughs> Because there's a lot of paperwork involved. <laughs> or, or, a, or a desk sergeant in a, yeah, exactly. in a, like a small town police office. Yeah, but so for me, you know, not like, not, I should say, taking a long time doing paperwork or taking a long time writing an article that I write doesn't mean that I'm ADD. Right. You know, it, it means that I have tasks that I don't particularly enjoy, but that I have to do. And I have to find ways to help myself focus and, and engage in those activities in a way that's efficient and effective for me. Right. Because I think people also confuse ADD and ADHD with like procrastination. Hmm. It's just like, oh, you don't want to do what you're supposed to do because you're so distracted. So you just put everything off to the last minute. You're so ADD. You're so ADHD. And that's actually not what that's not what procrastination is. Number one, that's also not what ADD or ADHD is. Right. There was a really good training I went to on ADD, ADHD in adults, and they referred to it as time blindness. Hmm. So this sense that you have, let's say, tasks that you're responsible for, but everything holds equal value. So that means chores that you have to do, uh, an episode of TV that you have to catch up on. And it it just causes this crazy anxiety. It's all like... Anxiety, tension, and distractibility. Yeah. Yeah. So -hmm. you can't prioritize, you can't organize your thoughts in a way that to help you do those tasks in an effective, organized way. And then you start like knocking them off, like right off this list, off your anxiety list. And then like one of them, uh, this is why it's not procrastination. And then one of them just peeks by, right? It just skips by. And all of a sudden you go, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, uh, I mean, I I assume that this seems like how it would be. Yeah, yeah. And then so then we wonder like, oh, why are these medications so effective? Well, they help you hyper focus on one thing at a time. So, you yeah. know, whether that's, you know, oh, I have a paper to do, as many examples were given in the documentary, and I'm able to focus on that paper and get the paper done. Um, well, that's good. And, you know, that is a good thing that a medication can help you do. So it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Okay. So in the documentary, yep. we do have, like we said, the couple of younger ones that um, definitely have ADHD. And they're and they're both very open about that. One of them is actually was kind of upset about how other people say, you know, the whole thing about, oh, everyone's ADHD. But the thing I kind of noticed is with the um, with the boy who went to art school, Jasper, 
Jasper. Yes. And his mother, um, I didn't necessarily notice this just with them, but it got me thinking about parents and kids mm-hmm. and the hyper, the H part of ADHD, the hyperactive part. I, you know, this is just a question. I have no idea if it's true or not, but I just kind of got this feeling that kids get forced into being ADHD by parents that aren't actually ADHD because they have a lot of energy. And so, or because they're not good in school. So their grades are low, right? Yep. They talked about that a lot in the documentary. Uh, it seemed to all be about grades and stuff. So as soon as these kids' grades go low, their parents take them to the doctor and they get put on drugs. And you go, but do they have ADHD? So I, I don't know if, if you've seen, is that common where, where you're like, well, I don't necessarily think somebody you know, has this disorder, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit um, in different cases before where, you know, the reason somebody comes into therapy or the reason, especially with kids come into therapy might be one reason, let's say for the parents or for the school. But then when you actually see the kid, you are able to identify things other than the concerns of the parents or the school had in mind. And I I've have certainly had this experience where, you know, I, I work for a nonprofit. So we have programs where we make it easy for um, children, especially for families who are, let's say, receiving government uh, programs or government services, that we can make it easy for them to receive treatment, which is a great program. But what happens is, and it's not, I'm not saying that, it, that the program's abused by any means, but that, you know, sometimes kids will come in and it's like, oh, you know, they don't listen or I just want them to get their grades up. I, I just want them to do their chores at home. Um, I just want them to not get in trouble at school. And it's like the parent or the, the school in some cases might think that's ADD or ADHD. And to your point, that might just be like, well, this is a nine year old boy who's being right. a nine year old boy. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that he can't benefit from being in therapy. And I've, I absolutely have had this experience where I can still help nine-year-old boys, whether they're ADHD or ADHD or not, because we can build skills. We can help them do things like focus and cope with negative emotions. Right. And I think you going back to Jasper, that is something that he emphasized was, you know, sometimes we just need skills. And that's true yeah, whether yeah. whether people have ADD or ADHD or not. So that is true. And you were just talking about like having kids in the office. And I'm sure you've had many people that deal with this kind of thing. I was wondering, and jumping back to the documentary's really big focus on medication, uh, Adderall and all that kind of stuff was, have you ever had someone in your office or people in your office that have taken or were not on the medication? Maybe you diagnosed them ADHD or maybe their primary care, whoever, and then they, they left and then they came back next session and now they're on the medication and i'm wondering like what you've noticed there did you think it was actually helping because mm. i mean there's a big debate on whether or not like this this specific medication is actually necessary for this because yeah it makes you focus for sure but is it making you focus like in the right way you know what i mean it's like this weird forcing yourself to focus it i don't know even when I take my small dose of Vyvanse, it just that part of it never feels supernatural. Well, yeah, it it is like an artificial chemical reaction that's happening in your brain um, that you're not, in some ways, you're not fully in control of. So yeah, so I have I have had experiences where one of the true aspects of, 
I should say, one of the true concerns about these medications is that um, you can develop a tolerance to them. So one of the guys talks about, you know, oh, I started off, it was really easy. I only needed, you know, five or 10 milligrams of, of Adderall or Ritalin a day. And it was just super uh, helpful. Didn't feel like it had any negative side effects. You know, later on in the documentary, he reveals, oh, yeah, but now I'm on 30 or 40 milligrams. And right. then I have to take a, a boost later on in the afternoon just to get me through the rest of the workday. And I have worked with patients in that situation where, yes, the Adderall, extended release, for example, is helpful to get them to that start of the day, but then they have a crash and to yeah, get, they're trying to avoid the crash. Yeah. So then to get through the rest of the day, they take like a small uh, booster of another stimulant or, or something else just to help them, let's say, finish their homework that night. And that's, that can be problematic. Or they take uh, more out of the bottle than they're not supposed to be. Yeah you know, setting themselves up to run out early and all sorts of dangerous things. Yeah. So, you know, the, there are concerning aspects to these medications. There's no one's debating that, but I think we also want to be able to provide the, the benefits that they clearly do offer. Absolutely. And I just want to play devil's advocate real, real quick. Please. I'm yes. aligning myself with the documentary right now. Okay. And that would be uh, the fact that it is the, the symptoms of ADHD do kind of have this borderline thing uh, now, the people who really are affected by this disorder are going to have like really, really hard troubles with it. However, it's super easy to go in and get a script for this stuff, right? This is a narcotic, like it's a real deal drug and taken in higher doses, like it's it's for real. So I'm just wondering, like, what is your opinion on just anybody and everybody can get this thing into their system and all they have to do is go to their primary care? And just to give you like an example, so you know where I'm coming from on that question is, so when I first got prescribed Adderall, going down my path of figuring everything out, I did exactly as you said, I was prescribed this tiny dose of Adderall, right? And it was like five milligrams. Um, but I would, even with that, I would crash in like the early afternoon and the crash from amphetamines is a really big swing of depression. For me, um, I don't know. It might just be me, but that's how it feels for me. So I did everything in my power to ward that away um, to the point where I started taking ones I wasn't supposed to just so I could then get to where it was bedtime and then sleep through my depression if I could fall asleep. Right. Um, so that just escalated itself up and up. And then the doses just started going up uh, and things got real bad around here because of this one specific thing. And then uh, to top it all off, it set me off into a an up, you know, an upswing, uh, a bipolar. And even when I came off the Adderall, that upswing was still up. So it was just not good for us around here. So setting that up, uh, how do you feel about just any mics walking in can grab a bottle of Adderall? So, yeah. So one of the stories, uh, I should say the, the people that were presented in the documentary that I was sort of almost saddest for was the former NFL player Eben Britton, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, um, yeah. Eben, Eben. He played for the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. And so his story was basically this, which was he never thought he had ADD or ADHD. He was in a high-pressure environment, that being the NFL in his rookie year. He had an injury, and then his recovery basically was really difficult. Yeah. And in this high-pressure environment, 
where he was basically not performing to the degree of which he felt and maybe his coaches felt like he should be. Right. He was offered this medication. Right. And there's no room for error for him. Right. You know, for for someone in that sort of a field, a couple weeks of, of poor performance can result in you losing your job. Are you losing your career? Really? That's we're yeah. being honest. So it was really sad for me to hear that he was offered this drug without a prescription, um, you know, similar to what you're talking about, where people take it just because it's offered to them or because they think it'll help in a short term sense. And then, you know, he goes from that to his wife being like, oh, he he does the dishes and we have and he, it seems like he's present and he can focus. And it's like, um, yes, just because these medications benefit you does not mean that you have ADD or ADHD. Mm -hmm. Anyone who takes these medications, and this is something that the documentary does address, anyone who takes these medications generally is going to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least at first, yeah. At least at first, you know, and, and, and certainly there can be some complications from that, you know, in, as, as you mentioned in your case. But they're uppers. You're going to feel yeah. better. They're not smart drugs. They don't make you smarter but they do make you feel better about your ability to, let's say, accomplish tasks that are boring to you. Yeah. And that is a powerful thing. So in Eben's case, you know, he started off on, on um, I guess it was Ritalin or Adderall. Yeah, he started Adderall, yeah. Yeah, and one thing led to another, and I think he did get the sort of exemption and the diagnosis for ADD, ADHD, but that didn't totally solve his problem. And then he ended up taking more and more varied ones, and then I think he got dinged for basically performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, because he he ran out. Right. And so he didn't yeah. have one, which is probably exactly what I was talking about. He was probably double dosing for whatever reason, yep. whether because it felt good or he needed more or he was avoiding a crash. Mm -hmm. he, he was out and then he got he went ahead and asked for a Ritalin from a friend yeah. to get him through. And then boom. And he thought it was the same thing, basically. Yeah. yeah and it's not. I mean, they show up different mm -hmm. drug tests. Yeah. So he was dinged and, and, and not necessarily specifically because of that, but I'm sure as, as a result of different things that were going on for him, he ended up out of the NFL. Yeah. Um, and they show him now he's like a coach, I guess, for a high school or a college. But yeah, so there can be serious consequences to abusing these drugs yeah. and and forgetting the, the, the diagnosis when you don't really have it, you know, because realistically, and this is similar to what your experience was. If you don't have ADD, ADHD, you're essentially just getting prescribed a drug that's going to make you feel good for a period of time, and then that feeling is going to go away. Versus if you actually have ADD, ADHD, ideally this drug gets you to a place where you're just able to operate, quote unquote, normally, like the, the general population can. Yeah. And that it's not supposed to be this huge upper, this huge... Yeah. If it's going to work correctly, you would imagine in most cases you're on a really low dose and it's something mm -hmm. that that's... Uh, maybe barely adjustable. Yeah. So we talk about stigmas a lot. Yes. Or we say the word stigma a lot. And I was thinking when I was watching the documentary about ADHD really has a stigma. That is that people who have it aren't taken seriously. Sure. Like in the fact that they have a, a real mental health issue that not everyone has. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone affected by something like that. To your point, you know, people who experience or, or I should say are, are diagnosed properly with ADD, ADHD, you know, they don't want to use it as a crutch. They don't want to 
you know, tell their boss like, well, you can't expect as much from me. I have ADHD. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want it to be something that prevents them from from doing and accomplishing the goals that they have in their life. So there is some shame involved. And I think Jasper was a character in particular who said he didn't want to take these medications. And he talked to his doctor about, you know, I want to come off. Yeah. And it was clear that part of that was because he had been taking it for so long that he he sort of saw himself as only being able to function because of this drug, because of this medication. Well, he'd, he'd taken it since he was like a kid. Yeah. So like he said, when he came off of it, he said he was like a different person. They were two different people. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple other characters in the doc who it was clear either were skipping doses or, or didn't want to take it. And that that had some real consequences for them, yeah. not just that they couldn't focus, but that their negative mood started to come out or their more more impulsive stuff started to happen. They get in fights at school, things like that. And that is tied to ADHD. Yeah. And a lot of times what they don't realize about that, just talking about the medication is you take these meds and you then you don't take them like there is some, you know, withdrawal symptoms that are going to be very negative for you. Yes. But but yeah, I just I the whole stigma thing. And it's just like, you don't realize that there's people dealing with this and they're just kind of, they're definitely put like just in the back of the room, you know, as far as mental health conditions are concerned. Yeah. So also what I was wondering is what do you think about, and this might even apply to the stigma thing too, uh, people who do go to the doctor and say, because most of the characters in, not characters, real people in this real documentary did this. They went to the doctor and lied about symptoms to get this. And I was wondering what you thought about people lying about a mental health condition in order to seek drugs. Well, obviously it does impact things like stigma because you have, there were characters throughout the documentary saying things like, well, everyone's on Adderall or everyone takes a little bit of this or, you know, I see in my group chats, anyone who takes Adderall also sells it. And it's like these are really sad generalizations yeah. about people who the people who need it, like actually need it. And that's not to say that there aren't people who also sell their medication. Unfortunately, sure. that's a reality of, of this this problem. But we are talking about people who really do need this medication and not just taking it for essentially performance enhancing reasons, you know, being able to pull all nighters or being able to, you know, one of the other industries that this was identified being a real problem was, was things like Wall Street and sort of a financial district where, you know, you're expected to work 12 to 16 hour days, even if that means you are having a panic attack or crashing or not getting enough sleep, that that's basically not cared about. So for me, I, I try to empathize with people that make these poor decisions because they think they need this medication to get ahead or to, to perform at a level that they don't think they'd be able to perform at otherwise. And that to me is sad. And that to me is a, a whole different reason to be in therapy, yeah. frankly, that that either the, your school or your family or your work environment is creating such a level of stress that you don't feel capable of performing on a level without uh, an enhancement. Quote yeah. Unquote. And I just thought when I was watching all that, like what bubble are these people living in? Yeah. When uh, specifically when the college students said, everyone's on Adderall. And I'm like, really? That was not my experience in college. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't mine. It, 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 it isn't mine now. And, and I don't know, you don't have a, 
younger sister who knows people who take Adderall, but I would doubt she would say everybody takes Adderall. And, and they all made it seem like that. Well, if in my work environment, you have to take Adderall. I'm just like, where are these people working? Yeah. I've never that felt that felt more like a, a sort of a dramatized version of what the reality is. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the documentary had a, a lot of doctors and, and people who wrote books like ADHD Nation. So I'm not saying they had like a, a, a bias, but they are coming from a perspective of viewing this diagnosis or this medication option as a problem. Right. Um, versus as a one of, let's say, several different types of solutions for people who experience these negative symptoms. Yeah. The documentary, um, you know, I went into this thinking, you know, we're going to talk about Adderall. But so it's going to be coincide with a lot of ADHD to explain a lot of these things. Right. Because that's what yep. it's for. Mm -hmm. And there was some at the beginning, a little in the middle. By the end of this movie, it's almost nothing. And I get that they're trying to really put this drug or these medications into a negative light. I, I was wondering what you thought or if you thought the same way I did about how they just basically swept that part of it under the rug. Like they just stopped acknowledging it and, and stopped saying like this is useful. Like they just never acknowledged that it is useful, especially the further it got. Yeah, I think they tried to give that a little bit of lip service that... Like, yes, people feel better. Yes, people perform better in certain capacities when they take these medications. Um, but for a large percentage of this documentary, the focus was like on the evils of these drugs and the problems that the drugs create, even for people who are, let's say, appropriately prescribed them. You know, even just the, so the imagery of the documentary at times, you know, having like a skull head Pac-Man, you know, chasing pills. It's just it's really problematic because we we don't want to discourage people from taking medication, especially if it helps them. Yeah. You know, yes, there's a lot of controversy around some of these medications and there are potential problems with the, you know, over diagnosis and over prescribing of these medications. That does not change the fact that these medications are helpful for people. And if they're diagnosed appropriately, and if the medications are prescribed appropriately, and if the medications are taken as prescribed, people can be very successful, uh, you know, without these sort of scary, life-threatening concerns that this documentary seemed to portray and, and wanted to emphasize so strongly. How do you want some, how do you want, yeah, somebody that's actually affected to see this film, documentary? Well, I, I want them to be able to view this documentary through the scope of people who might have an agenda. And, and that's okay. It's okay for people to have agendas. It's okay for people to see problems that do exist, meaning right. the pharmaceutical interest industry yeah. is problematic. But, but it's on Netflix, Ryan. Yes, it is. And, and, and Mike, there are a lot of other uh, agenda-filled <laughs> documentaries on Netflix. If you look, you can find them. Um, you know, but but being able to recognize that just because something is available and even on a popular platform doesn't mean that it's the whole story of, of what it's being of what's being discussed. OK, so if there was a flat earth documentary, which I think there actually also is on Netflix. Oh, yeah, there's lots of good um, stuff. <laughs> you're not getting the whole story and, and you're not seeing the the agendas necessarily of the people that are putting that information out. 
So if you have ADHD and you watch this video and you have a lot of problems with it, I would actually encourage you to check out the YouTuber um, How to ADHD. And she's a, a mental health advocate and talking about things that are helpful for people with ADHD. And also, um, like you and I, talking about the problematic ways in which ADHD is portrayed in social media um, and in popular media, for example. So check out her YouTube video in particular, Why I'm Upset at Netflix, new documentary, Take Your Pills. And she actually does a really good job um, breaking down she has ADHD. So she shares some of her own personal experience and why we should be skeptical of some of the people who are presenting this information. Hmm. So I think a healthy skepticism when watching documentaries is really healthy. Um, and it's really important, especially if you're getting information about something that you personally struggle with. Right, right. Uh, so last one here today, and thinking about the people that might have watched this, let's say they come in to see you, and they have ADHD, and now they don't want to take medication. Maybe they didn't just watch this. Maybe they heard about it. Maybe the stigma got to them, whatever, whatever surrounding it. But you have someone who maybe you think could benefit what would you say to people who don't want to take it or people that don't think they need to take it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I, I experience a lot, actually, in my uh, practice because uh, we don't have psychiatrists on staff. And I would say the majority of patients that I see are coming into treatment for the first time. So they don't have any interest in medication or they've had bad experiences with medication and just want to come into therapy. So for me, I don't push medication. Even if people have had positive experiences with it in the past, if they don't want to go on it, I'm totally on board with that. But here's what happens, right? In therapy, we're going to talk about the source of your symptoms and triggers. We're going to talk about coping skills. We're going to talk about things in a way to help you overcome some of these symptoms as much as we can. But if those approaches, let's say, reach a, a, a maximum e efficacy, Ooh. In the sense that you've gotten as much benefit from therapy as you can, and that, let's say, you're still experiencing difficulty focusing, I might bring it up like, okay, I totally respect and understand you not wanting to be on medication. We have a lot of skills um, that we've worked on to help you focus in the moment or to help you focus in general, and it's yet you're still experiencing these symptoms. So if you don't want to go on medication, totally fine. We can keep chipping away with these skills. Yeah. But it's something you should keep in mind that, you know, medication can be that thing that helps you get over the hump in accentuating the skills that we're already working on. All right. We have to get into our ratings today. And if you haven't listened to the show before every week, Ryan and I rate on a scale of one to five. Ryan rates one to five for accuracy and I rate one to five on the critic scale. Ryan, what do you got? So, Mike, today um, I, I wanted to to give the the drug names some um, some uh, respect and some some. I think one of the funny stories is like how some of these medications are named. So, like, how is Adderall named? It was ADD for all. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Adderall. <laughs> and, Ritalin. And, yeah, Ritalin. Ritalin was named after a doctor's wife. Yeah, so I just think it's really funny. So the um, out of five methylphenidates, which is the, I should say, the proper drug name for the main component of Ritalin and Concerta. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I struggled with this one because 
obviously these are people presenting their version and their stories. And I'm, I'm never going to tell an audience uh, or our listeners that someone's personal experience is uh, not representative or, or not accurate. But I do want to acknowledge, for example, um, Dr. Wendy Brown is someone who's referenced again and again. And you might ask, oh, Dr. Wendy Brown, um, what, what's she a doctor of? You know, neurology or psychiatry, psychology. Mike, Dr. Wendy Brown, who's referenced again and again in this, <laughs> in this documentary, is a political scientist. Okay. So it's like, so, okay, and that's not to say that she she couldn't have expertise or perspective to share. Sure, sure. Um, and not that she doesn't, you know, deserve the 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 doctor. The platform. Yeah, right, yeah, right. for, for yeah. sure. But that, that I, I share that to say there are some opinions expressed that oversimplify ADD and oversimplify right. um, ADHD and, and the benefit that these medications can have. So from that end, um, I gave this... 3.75 all right it's accurate. the the every patient's uh, story their their own story is 100 percent accurate is and representative of a lot of people who deal with these problems yes um but some of the other stuff and the way it's presented right. i felt like was not very accurate yeah, yeah. i was gonna say like like the people yeah for sure they're telling yeah. their story but yeah uh the the editing and the presentation uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of changes that around into a direction yeah. maybe they weren't even saying you never know that's right. Okay, my turn, and I'm doing the critic scale, but I am going to do one out of five, and this one's going to be long, because this was the uh, the the one I really cringed at, the, the line. I'm doing a whole line here. They had the two guys that were against uh, Big Pharma, and they weren't going to, they weren't going to, you know, bind Adderall and all this stuff, so they made their own company to uh, help you enhance your brains uh, with, like... Smart drugs. Yeah, smart drugs that you could buy at like a health food store or whatever. One of the guys said, I don't have ADHD. I'm a healthy person. So I'm doing one out of fives. I don't have ADHD. I'm a healthy person. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So that's another example of something that was problematic in this documentary. Yeah. It's like, how can we include both of these things? Like, they don't feel like they should be a part of the same discussion. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, right up top I, today, I said, this is a really good documentary, and, and I'm still going to stick by that. It's a good documentary, but I really just like documentaries. Ah, and I'm going to, because I can't even give it a four. I'm going to have to go with Ryan and, and do a 3.75. So good enough to watch one time. It's a good documentary. So, all right, all right, all right. That's all we got for today. And uh, make sure you stick around for Ryan's closing thoughts. But first, we absolutely want to thank Kevin McLeod. He provides all the music that we use on the show. You can find him and his royalty-free music at incompetech.com. Ryan, thanks for talking with me every week. Thank you, Mike. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Yay! now for some closing thoughts on the 2018 Netflix documentary, Take Your Pills. First of all, as we talked about in the episode, while there are potential problems with the medications used to treat ADHD and ADD, given the proper diagnosis and prescription, these medications can also be incredibly effective for people who struggle with ADHD symptoms. It's important, however, that you consult a doctor you trust and are honest about the symptoms that you experience before seeking out medication. That being said, medication is not the only treatment option for people struggling with ADHD or ADD. Therapy and skills-based training have also been shown to be incredibly effective in helping people manage their symptoms. 
Mindfulness exercises are one such skill area that I have worked with patients on to help them improve their focus and awareness. Finally, here are some national resources to check out for more information. CHAD.org, that's C-H-A-D-D, for children and adults with ADHD, is an organization that offers information, support, and advocacy for people and families coping with ADHD. AttitudeMag.com, and that's A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E, Mag, M-A-G.com, is a website for the Attitude Magazine, a publication for people living well with attention deficit and learning disabilities. And it has a lot of great articles and resources where you can learn more about supporting people with ADHD. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you, as always, to my co-host, executive producer, Mike Graham. If you like the show, please check out our social media pages. We are everywhere at PopPsych101. We also love hearing from our listeners, so if you want to give feedback or suggest something for us to cover, you can email us at poppsych101 at gmail.com or join our Facebook group. PopPsych101 is on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us share these discussions about mental health, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen. For Mike Graham, I'm Ryan Engelstad. Thanks for listening to Pop Psych 101.